The following program is being brought to you on the Voice America Business Channel. For more information about our network and to check out additional show hosts and topics of interest, please visit voiceamericabusiness.com. The Voice America Talk Radio Network is the worldwide leader in live Internet talk radio. Visit voiceamerica.com. The views and ideas expressed on the following program are strictly those of the hosts or guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and ideas held by the Voice America Talk Radio Network, its staff, and management. In the past few years, we've heard the term free agents and been told we would all need to become one in order to succeed. The recent economic structures have helped to promote this concept as reality. Where do we get the tools to take control of our career path in the present and future? Welcome to The Career Confidant with your host, Marie Zimanoff. Marie and her guest experts are here to provide you with the tools you need to move forward and achieve your career goals. Now, here is Marie Zimanoff. Well, good afternoon and welcome to The Career Confidant. We're excited that you're joining us today. Today we're going to talk about a maybe controversial or unpopular topic, which is sales. And we're going to talk about it in a little bit of a general sense in terms of perhaps you are selling yourself, not necessarily the best term there, but you'll see that term. People talk about selling yourself in interviews or selling yourself when you're negotiating your salary, or perhaps even you run a small business or thinking about starting a business and are letting sales get in your way. So here's one of the things that I find interesting, that sales has become a very dirty word. We're afraid of salespeople and most sales trainers who are any good at their job start out their sales training by really thinking about perception of salespeople and how negative it is, perhaps more than it was in the past, or perhaps it's always been so negative, that we automatically, when we feel like we are being sold something, we kind of retract and stop participating in in a conversation. And so when we are thinking about trying to get something we want or communicate our value, that's something that we need to be aware of. However, I also think it makes us afraid to sell, which isn't always in our best interest, because sales doesn't have to be slimy, right? The sales process is not set up to be that way, doesn't have to be anyways, and all of us have to sell to achieve what we want. Again, rather, whether it's communicating your value in an interview or in a performance review or a salary review or communicating your value so that someone wants to do business with you, we're, we're all in some kind of sales at some point in our life. And that doesn't have to be a horrible thing. So we're going to talk about some of the basics today that get in people's way and I'll probably share some things that come from one of my favorite sales trainers who's done over cash at Sandler Sales here in northern Colorado and perhaps you have your favorite 
salesperson, whether it's Zig Ziglar or whoever it might be, one of the best sales techniques, if you will, it's not even talking about sales, is some of the Dale Carnegie work. Of course, the title turns off some people because it's winning friends and influencing people. But that's really at the crux of any good leader and any of us who want to be successful is the ability to influence others. And again, that doesn't have to be a negative thing, right? If we're influencing others to achieve a good end, that's great. So it's mostly how you use these skills, right? Whether you use them for good or evil, it's not that the skill itself is inherently bad, be that selling, influencing, whatever you want to call it. It itself is a positive thing. And in fact, we have to be able to do it to achieve anything with a group of people or to achieve things that we want in our in our world, of course. And in fact, the best way to be successful in this process is to not be selfish. Salespeople who are selfish and and maybe your kind of stereotypical definition of a slimy salesperson usually aren't successful long term. And being my friend Don um, from Sandler Sales calls that being self-oriented versus, versus being others-oriented. And of course, those who are others-oriented are more successful. And you can't fake that. Well, you maybe can short-term, but long-term people will figure you out. And so it's got to be a genuine concern for others, which if that's how you approach sales, is going to make you not that stereotypical slimy salesperson right off the bat. So let's dive in here a little bit and think more about how to be successful in sales. And these are just a few tips. You can get a lot more, but I would encourage you to seek out resources that focus on this very transparent process, if you will, that is focused on building relationships and trust, which most good salespeople do talk about. If you hear someone talking about how to get someone to buy anything, that may not be the best person to listen to. And we'll talk about why here in just a few minutes. So let's talk about the root of sales and and good sales and really in some ways, good communication in general, confidence. So most of the time when I see people struggling to ask for what they want in many different situations, the struggle starts with a lack of confidence. Either a lack of confidence that you deserve whatever you're asking for, a lack of confidence in how you're asking it, or a lack of confidence in yourself. And so you don't, you don't know how to ask it. And therefore, when it comes out, 
it can sound forced, it can sound demanding, it can even sound entitled because you're not you're not convinced and so you're trying harder to convince someone else that they need whatever it is you're asking for or that you deserve whatever it is you're asking for and it sounds contrived from the start. So this often happens to people in salary negotiation, for instance, because they'll go into the situation not quite comfortable saying the number that they want to say or asking for what they are asking for. And when you're not convinced, it's hard for the other person to be convinced. And then as soon as you start trying to convince them, it sounds like entitlement, right? I deserve a $10,000 raise because by goodness, I just deserve it. Well, you're probably going to need a little bit more behind it than that. And if you're confident and understand the rationale, it'll be easier to say that rationale. So that might be considered confidence in what you sell. For those of us who are in the job search world, that might be you know, selling yourself. And may seem silly, but this is one of the areas I see people struggle with the most, is that they can't sell themselves in a job interview because they've lost that basic confidence that they need through very realistic things that happen to all of us, whether that's being laid off or being put down repeatedly by by people that we worked with. We all have these pieces of work that have eroded our confidence. And so when we walk into the room, even though we may be trying to fake it, the reality is we're not confident in what we deserve and what our value is. And so again, it just does not, doesn't come off well. Confidence in what you sell for a business owner, obviously is really understanding the value of what you do to your customers and to those of, those of prospect customers. And, you know, coming from my world, I see a lot of, fellow business owners in the career and resume space who aren't comfortable with their skill set. They're not comfortable with what they sell. And so therefore it's really hard for them to know what they're worth, let alone charge what they're worth. And it becomes kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy when you can never get anyone to buy at a certain level, partially because you hesitate to even quote them at that at that level, and then you end up thinking, well, then I must not be worth that much money, or you know, I'm not qualified enough to ask for that much money yet. And we need to know where we fit into the market, which is our next phase of sales here. But it definitely is a piece of feeling that we're confident doing what we do. And I know that when I first started coaching, that was a challenge, right? Coaching is a good coach, is a practiced art, something that takes a long time to learn. And there may be some realism in starting out low with your prices in your business and then working your way up. But you have to be careful with that, of course. And if we're selling a service that is priced in a market 
set by us, whether that's dry cleaning or whatever your business might be, might be a little bit easier in some ways. But then some of the other aspects of sales may be more challenging. If your prices are more or less set by a market, then how do you differentiate yourself if you don't want to be bought based on being the lowest cost, which of course, I hope for most of us, that's not our goal, whether we're in job search or in business, to be the low cost provider. Someone's got to take that role and perhaps it's where we want to fit in, but we shouldn't go there because of lack of confidence. We should go there because it's a strategic business decision a place that we've decided we want to fit into in the market. So that internal piece of sales, that confidence is definitely a big part to whether or not we're able to make that sale. Do you waver when you state your prices to other individuals? Is it clear what you sell? Because sometimes we can be unclear with what we sell because we're not confident. It's one of my sister's pet peeves and She kept having people connect with her to sell a product, but they would say that they were selling a lifestyle or whatever it was. And, you know, whether it's Amway or whatever it is that you're actually selling, yes, you may also have the opportunity for a person to build a business. Nothing wrong with a multi-level business. All businesses are multi-level, by the way. But you should still be confident enough in what you're selling and the value of it that you can be clear with people about what you're selling. Again, nobody wants to feel that snake oil salesman feel. They want you to be upfront. They want you to be transparent. And so it's important for us to be able to do that in our business and to have the confidence to do that in our business. So some of the other aspects of internal pieces of of sales, of course, or the knowledge of what you sell. And we are going to talk a little bit about that and then go into some of the external pieces, how your how your research and your market knowledge plays into your sales success. So we'll be right back in just a few minutes. America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career. You can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Game-changing technologies and strategies are transformational, exciting, and disruptive. They shake up your status quo, get your thinking about new ways to scale, compete, and grow, and move you in new directions. You're invited to take your coffee break with Game Changers on Tuesdays at 7 a.m. Pacific, 10 a.m. Eastern Time for our special series on The Digital World. Learn how to be the savvy leader who looks ahead to the next wave of business innovation. Digital World with Game Changers, presented by SAP on the Business Channel. 
the leaders of today have certain characteristics that set them apart as success stories. These leaders have discovered transformational leadership. Now, you can discover the same ideas, insights, and programs that have led them to success. Inside Transformational Leadership is produced by Georgetown University's Institute for Transformational Leadership. We'll explore these success stories every Monday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Business Channel. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. tuned into the career confidant with marie zimanoff if you have a question or comment for marie or her guest today please call 1-866-472-5790 that's 1-866-472-5790 you may also send an email to marie at a strategic advantage.com now back to the career confidant welcome back to the career confidant and today we're talking about sales Perhaps an unpopular topic, but so necessary as all of us at some point will need to sell, influence, whatever you want to call it, someone to get where we want to go, to make an impact, to get a salary increase, to get a job, whatever it might be in our business or in our career. So we've been talking a little bit about this internal piece of sales, the confidence that you have to have in what you're asking for, the value you provide, and the price that you're commanding or whatever it is that is part of your sale, if you will. And, of course, also having knowledge of whatever you're selling, especially if you're in business, is very important. And the knowledge that you can share to someone in language that makes sense to them in a way that's un, that's unassuming, that's not forceful, right? That, that ability to just say it without needing to, to sell it. And I would say that that's the last part of this internal piece around sales is the, the desperation or whatever it might be that you want to call it, but typically people have trouble with sales when they're feeling like they have to make a sale. Number one issue that that causes is it prevents you from being, as we talked about at the beginning, what my Sandler sales guy would call others oriented. You can't be focused on figuring out if what you're selling is really the best thing for the person sitting across the table if you're focused on yourself and desperate to make that sale, desperate to get what you need, it's not going to work. And you can see this play out, of course, in a job interview. When you're desperate to get that job, you're, in essence, desperate to sell yourself. And that is not appealing to anyone. If you're desperate to get that salary increase, you're probably going to be too forceful and not think about how the reasons for that increase fit for the employer and the value that you bring. Not going to communicate that in a good way. And of course, if you're in business and you're 
feeling the pressure to make the sale. Perhaps you need to get a new client this month or whatever it might be. The person on the other end of that call or email or sitting across the desk from you is going to feel that it's about you, that that sale, that the thing that you're talking about is not about getting the best thing for them. It's not about figuring out what works for them. It's about making you money. And because we're all turned off by salespeople somewhat naturally today, they're going to they're going to turn and run, right? And so we've got to be confident in ourselves, confident in what we're selling, and confident in our ability to let go and really focus on what it is that the person across the table from us needs, what their viewpoint is in the conversation, and how we can have a conversation around that. So the other piece of it is the market and it drives me nuts when people talk about sales and they just talk about, only talk about the side that we just talked about, right? That your, your confidence, your knowledge is about your stuff is all that matters. Because there's also that other side. You wouldn't go in to negotiate salary without doing any research, or at least I would never advise you to. You should know what the average is for someone in your someone in your position. You should know what how many years of experience are related to that average. Or you should have all that data in your back pocket before you go. And of course when you're talking salary, there's places you can research that. Salary.com, Glassdoor, lots of places. If you're looking internally, you may have an a salary tool or a compensation schedule, whatever it is, you should know those things before you go in. Not that that means you feel like you have to stay within those bounds, but at least you know what the bounds are and can talk about why you might deserve more than the top or whatever it might be that you're going to ask for. You're prepared. You know what the market bears just like a company when they price their product, right? They price that product based on research. They don't price that product out of thin air. If they do, they fail. They may decide to position themselves higher than the rest of the market. But then, of course, their sales and marketing strategies are going to be focused on communicating why that additional value is inherent in what they do. Why should you pay that? versus just picking something out of thin air and thinking that, oh, people will pay this or this is how much it costs to make it, so this is how much we think we should buy, pay it or charge for it. It's not really how sales and pricing work, right? So if you are in business, it's important to know what your market looks like. Who are your competitors? What type of person would buy whatever you're selling instead of a competitor. So thinking about it in terms of, let's say, skincare. So if you're in the skincare business, of course there's the opportunity for people to go to the drugstore and buy something for under 20 bucks. And that thing could claim to reduce wrinkles. It could claim to do all of these things, right? 
And then there's the stuff that costs thousands of dollars that you get out of the very specialty stores. Or if you're silly, you you know fall for the the mall guy in Vegas telling you that this miracle cream will reduce your wrinkles and it's only a thousand dollars. So you have this wide range. And every price point has a market. Obviously, the drugstore people have a market of, of folks that perhaps don't have that bad of issues, don't want to spend that much money. And then your high-end people have a market of people that either have a lot of money or that know that this is important or that know this kind of thing works and it's important. And you have everywhere in the middle. So when you're deciding what you want to be, let's say, how you want to position yourself in the market, it's important to know all of those options. If you're a project manager, for instance, there are going to be more some markets that are more lucrative and some markets that don't pay as well. That may be based on location. That may be based on type of company. And there are going to be pros and cons each direction, just like there are for those skin cares. But it's just knowing those and making that decision. But mostly knowing who your market is, because that's going to be driving your messaging and your sales process. So if I don't know who my market is, then I get then I struggle. So for resume writers, for instance, res- resume writers charge anywhere from $200 a resume to $2,500 a resume, huge range. And if you are at the $200 range and you think you want to move up, you have to realize that to charge more, you have to access a different market. There are certain people that are willing to pay more for a resume and there are people that aren't. And your marketing has to adjust to hit that new target audience if you're wanting to increase your prices. It's, it's going to be a, a targeted effort on your part. It's not just going to happen by magic, just like our, our project manager. So that piece of pricing, that knowledge of your market and how you want to position yourself within your market is very important it's, it is based on you and what you do and what your strengths are. But then it's figuring out how that relates to what's out there in the market and the market need. And how does that change where you look, how you look, how you communicate? All of those pieces are going to have to change based on that target audience that you define. And this isn't too different than when we talk about job search and the job search process, right? Where you connect with employers, how you connect with employers, how you write your resume, all of those pieces are going to be most effective if they are dictated by your target audience, not just by your focus, your skills, your where you think you want to go. Again, doing those things in a vacuum is usually ineffective because different audiences want to be communicated to differently. And if we don't pay attention to that, our message 
falls flat or, or perhaps even gets annoying. So how do you determine those market needs? Of course, there's research that you can do, but then this is really where the stereotypical sales process starts to fall apart because any good salesperson that I've talked to and, and my sales trainer at Sandler emphasizes the importance of questions, right? That your main job as a salesperson is to ask great questions and to really understand the need. And has some counseling friends that always are aghast when their profiles of what types of jobs they'd be good at include sales. Well, that's again because our mental picture of sales is so different than what actually works well. A sales, a good salesperson is able to ask great questions, just like a good counselor, and that may throw our perception of what sales actually looks like and how it sounds. So we're going to take a short break, come back in just a few minutes, and continue our conversation about becoming an effective salesperson. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career you can have the foresight skills and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities a strategic advantage and career expert marie Simonoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused get found and get hired Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Tune in to the soul of enterprise, business in the knowledge economy with co-hosts Ron Baker and Ed Klass. Ron and Ed will show you how to recognize that wealth is created by intellectual capital. It's all in the possibilities that we can create and that are created for us. These possibilities are destined to be discovered by human imagination and through the service of others, creating a brighter future for all of us. The Soul of Enterprise is heard live every Friday at 1 p.m. Pacific Time, 4 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Business Channel and simulcast at the same time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Bob Pritchard has over 30 years of experience as a straight-talking business consultant and author working with some of the top Fortune 500 companies. Now he's come to the Voice America Business Channel to help you and your business. Tune in to the Bob Pritchard Radio Show for information about starting and successfully running a profitable business. From the movers and shakers to great marketing screw-ups, you can't afford to miss a single edition of the Bob Pritchard Radio Show, Tuesdays at 5 p.m. Pacific, 8 p.m. Eastern on Voice America Business. Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. 
If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at a strategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant, and today we're talking about your sales skills, and in a very general sense that all of us have to sell at some point, and that typically we have an undue aversion (laughs) to sales and salespeople, and that really successful sales, whether it's a job interview, salary negotiation, even kind of the long sale of winning that promotion, or if you're in business for yourself, that those all those types of sales are not effective in the way that we don't like sales. So it works out perfectly. Nobody wants you to be that slimy salesman that you don't want to be. It actually doesn't work. So no problem, don't do it. What do you do instead? Well, starting with, as we talked about, kind of that internal piece of confidence, confidence in yourself, confidence in what you sell, the value of what you sell, confidence in your knowledge of the product, of course, and then confidence in the knowledge of the market and how you fit. How are you different? What are What's your reason for why people should go with you versus the competition? And one of my favorite adages that I always use, just thinking about this idea, um, you know, people call it brand, right? What's your brand is really why should people buy you versus something else? And pretty much no matter what business you're in, people buy that person that they know at that business more than they really buy that product. So why should people buy you? What do you bring to the situation that's different? And, you know, the phone companies used to do a pretty good job of this. They've kind of confused the waters recently. But it used to be that Verizon was very clear that you should buy them because they had the best coverage, right? Can You Hear Me Now was all about the coverage. And AT&T had the largest work network in terms of number of customers so you should join AT&T because that's where your friends and family were right and they had the friends and family plan and then Sprint has kind of floundered around but for a little while they had the unlimited data that's why you should buy them and so it's what is different what do you bring to the party that your competitors don't that is part of your your confidence your brand your market knowledge put together with your self-knowledge, how do you stack up? How do you stand out? And then we look at really what makes sales work, and that's relationship. So your ability to build rapport, to really understand the needs of that person sitting across from you, and to focus on them, not yourself, that's going to be at the crux of a good salesperson. And, you know, people call it trust. And then lots of people, but, you know, the one I know that gets, I get it from is that trusted 
advisor and that comes from the Sandler sales, you know, people really do spend more money and are willing to put more money into something that they understand, something that is something that they believe in, someone, sorry, not something, someone that they believe in. They believe in the thing because they believe in you. And so in my business, we talk about this in terms of moving from kind of being a commodity seller to being that trusted advisor. So you could go out and buy a $200 resume from anyone, and it may just be a commodity. You're getting that product. But if I really want you to be my client, I want to be your advisor. I want you to know that I'm going to be able to point you in the right direction. I want you to know that I can help you with your job search, or I can find someone that can help you do these other pieces of of your work in that arena. I want to be your trusted advisor, not selling you a commodity. One, I want to be that, of course, because I can charge you a premium for that. And two, I want to be that because that's how I prefer to work. Of course, there are professionals in all fields who prefer to work in different ways. Some of them may want to be a commodity seller, and they're going to price themselves in the market that way and differentiate themselves that way. But you don't have to. You can, but you don't have to. And especially for a job seeker, that can be a challenging road to hoe because, of course, if you're saying that you're someone should hire you because you're the cheapest that may not work out with the work out for you long term if, if that's where you're at with your job search so moving from that commodity seller to a trusted advisor is really about one having that focus on the other person right really being that advisor means that you are open to the fact perhaps, that you are not going to be the best option for everyone. And so if you're really their trusted advisor, you're going to give them feedback, give them direction, and then perhaps occasionally even say, well, it sounds like you don't need everything that I provide or you don't need what I provide, or perhaps this person in my network would be a better fit for you. That's the beauty of being a trusted advisor is that when you don't have to take on clients that aren't a good fit for you because you can feel good about making referrals to other people. And two, that people do really buy into that you have their best interest at heart by the way that you sell them, by the way that you communicate throughout the process. And so, you know, in a job interview, This may look like you asking great questions and really trying to determine if you're the best fit for the company, not just trying to sell yourself for the position. And that's always a very challenging road to take. It sounds easy, but of course, when you need a job or even the idea of that job sounds so great, you have to slow yourself down. And really pay attention to if it is what it sounds like it is, if it fits, if it works, if it works for both parties, right? That's the, that's the important piece here. 
and we can't get too hurried in in selling ourselves. And um, one of the gentlemen, and I understand where he's coming from, and this is not what he means, but we often talk in my business about winning the interview. And there's a challenge there, right? Because I don't want you to get so focused on winning that you miss the, the main point of the interview, which is to discern if that's a good fit for you or not. And of course, in the sales arena, again, our relationships suffer when we are focused on getting the sale because we need money. Our relationships might suffer if we're focused on getting the sale because we need to hit our quota. There's a lot of those pressures, internal or external, that may get us off course and in the end hurt our ability to actually close the sale. And this is a fine line and really good salespeople do it really well, right? Where you're, you of course have to ask for the sale. You have to believe in your value enough to know when it's time. But if you're really talented in sales, a lot of times you don't have to sell anything. You just get to that point where the person has said yes so many times it just makes sense for them to buy, right? They've they've agreed that this is what they need, that it's what they need right now, that it, what your solution is works. They've already agreed to all of those things so that by the time you get down to talking numbers or talking sales, they already have agreed that they want it. And, and in that's the beauty of a great salesperson, right? Being able to ask the questions, ask them in a pattern that moves towards that that conclusion. But again, I think does it in a transparent and and really others-focused way so that it never feels slimy or pushy. Because the moment that it does, you're sunk. Especially if you're dealing with the general public. Um, If you're in a corporate situation where the person's used to negotiating, you might have a better chance. But if you're talking to the general public and they feel sold, they feel like you're trying to sell them, you're already going to be pushing against an an uphill stream or whatever you want to say. People don't like that feeling And so we have to stay very true to our process, very true to ourselves, just in terms of building that relationship, building that trust, finding out what they really need, and then offering our abilities or our product as the the solution to that. And again, it only works when we've built that relationship. And this is the challenge with cold sales. It's also the challenge with a cold approach in a job search, right? If you're approaching a company recruiter, you might get away with it a little bit because that's almost like the business-to-business sale where the person on the other end is used to negotiate, used to being sold. But especially if you're trying to approach a hiring manager, so an internal employee, even though they might be experienced in hiring, they're, they're not a recruiter. Trying to approach them cold is a lot like trying to make a cold sale where there's no 
relationship, you have to start from scratch and build it. And if you're focused on selling and sharing your value instead of focused on figuring out if you're a good fit, figuring out if your solution matches the company's needs, you're going to fall flat. And this is where a lot of job seekers do fall flat because you approach with that me mentality and then don't understand why the other person is turned off. And it's simple, simple sales, simple sales psychology, if you will, that people don't want to feel sold. And so as we think about the focus of relationships, the focus of trust, that's really our goal in the sales process, no matter what type of selling we're doing, is to ask questions, really focus in on that other person, build authentic, genuine relationships and trust, and always be willing to say when we're not the right option. We can't, we can't be everything to everyone. And when we try, usually we're forcing it and we get that reputation for being slimy and we've lost traction in whatever we're trying to do. This is also, I'll just say quickly, the issue that most people have with networking is that they think they're networking for a quick fix, whether that's job search or those wonderful people that you meet who are trying to sell you stuff at chamber events. They don't understand how networking works. They, in essence, are doing cold call after cold call, going around the room at this networking event and then don't understand why um, nobody will talk to them at those events after a short period of time because it just doesn't work that way. And genuineness, authenticity, whatever word you want to choose, although they may be all overused, is so important. One of my first chamber events, I remember going and meeting a gentleman who happened to be in financial services. It could happen in any field gentleman that happened to be in financial services and he came up to me and he shook my hand and he said, what can I do for you today? And it was just so canned. He hadn't asked me any other questions. He, it just, it wasn't, it wasn't real. He didn't really want to know what he could do for me today. And it just felt slimy, right? It was one of those things where you just wanted to go and wash your hands because it didn't, you could tell right away it was all about selling you and finding out something that they could quote unquote do for you, but really what could they sell you? And so when we approach folks in networking or in sales, it's going to be that genuine piece of really trying to figure out what they want, what you're looking for and how you might bring value for each other. And it's a, a networking point that many individuals miss. So take a break here. We'll come back and finish up talking about sales with a little note on process and the importance of process in effective sales. We'll be right back in just a few minutes. business community's first choice in internet talk radio voice america business network 
you know that the career landscape has changed and that you need to be proactive about managing your career, you can have the foresight, skills, and confidence you need to take charge of your career and seize opportunities. A strategic advantage and career expert, Marie Zimanoff has helped thousands of leaders like you get focused, get found, and get hired. Visit GetCareerSmart.com to find out more. That's GetCareerSmart.com or call 800-521-2080 to schedule your complimentary consultation. Many industries have been revolutionized by technology in the last decade. Books, music, TV, communications, and now it's happening to our money and the way we pay. Tune in to Breaking Banks with Brett King for a look at how technology and customer behavior will bring about more changes in banking in the next 10 years than in the last 200 years. Listen every Thursday at 3 p.m. Eastern Time, noon Pacific on Voice America Business Channel or on AM 1160 The Voice. You'll never look at your bank account the same again. Effective leadership is what will propel the world, organizations, and businesses through a range of dynamic changes. How do you keep up with these changes, build skills, and lead effectively? Listen for Innovative Leaders Driving Thriving Organizations with Maureen Metcalf. Maureen offers tools and engaging guests who are leaders in their field. With each week, you'll work on and improve your skills to lead with confidence and drive your organization's success. Tune in every Tuesday at 2 p.m. Eastern Time, 11 a.m. Pacific on Voice America Business. From the boardroom to you, Voice America Business Network. You are tuned in to The Career Confidant with Marie Zimanoff. If you have a question or comment for Marie or her guest today, please call 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to marie at astrategicadvantage.com. Now, back to The Career Confidant. Welcome back to The Career Confidant. Today we're talking about how to be a better salesperson. No matter where you are or why you're trying to make that sale, whether it's a new job, an interview, or perhaps even selling something, an idea to your boss, your your company, your group, how can you be most successful at that? So we've talked about the importance of, of building trust and really understanding that great sales come from that relationship and the, the authentic desire to know and deliver what might be best for whoever you're selling to and asking great questions and how it gets you there. So the other piece of great sales is having some kind of process, right? And most people talk about a, a customer relationship management process or, a, you, you know, you might have software that helps you do this. But the real idea behind this process piece is that we have to balance and and perhaps even focus in on a little bit more follow-up and delivering to our current or former customers versus hunting, if you will, hunting down new ones. And this is something that especially new business owners struggle with. How do you stay connected, stay in touch with your current customers, your former customers, without bugging them? 
but giving yourself that opportunity to build through that base versus hunt new people. And this is one of the places where people can misuse social media. People always say it's social media marketing, but the truth is that social media fits somewhat in the filling your funnel phase, if that's what you want to call it, although we can be careful about how much we worry about filling our funnel. Because then there's that other phase, which is connecting and staying connected to your to your ambassadors, right? You want to build people who are ambassadors of your product, your service, your company. And social media is a great way to do that if we can cultivate those relationships and those kinds of conversations on social media and thinking about it more as an hourglass instead of a funnel. So you've got a funnel on the top that, yes, you're putting in new new folks, but then at the bottom, your, your existing customers also create another growing group of people for you to connect with, right? Their friends and family, how do they know how they to refer to you? Do they get incentives to refer to you? How do you build that side, the bottom side, if you will, of the funnel by really focusing in on the existing customers that you already have? And for most businesses, that's where that's where the magic happens, right? It takes a lot less resources to serve the customer well, make them feel good about what they've gotten, I mean, what they've received, the service, the product, and then build through those relationships to get more customers. And one of the reasons that that is so profitable and so key is, of course, because one of the main things that people use to decide to buy is referrals from their friends and family. So if you're doing something to stay top of mind with them, you're more apt to get those opportunities with their friends and family. And of course, this goes through networking, job search, business, whatever it is that that you're thinking of today as we talk about sales, all of them work the same way. Very few businesses have the resources to continually focus just on getting new customers. And I would say that they're wasting their resources if that's the only place they focus because that that referral recommendation is so important, so critical. And because that that group of people is quite large, despite what it might sound like. You know, it may be thinking, oh, it's a limited pool if all I'm going after are my, my existing customers' contacts. But of course, our existing customers know quite a few people. And in fact, there's some statistic somewhere that each of us knows at least 200 people, which sounds kind of unfathomable. But if you really start sit down and start thinking about it, it's very possible. And then when you think about the reach that they might have on, on social media, which of course is going to go beyond even just the people that they know, 
that reach could be quite large. And so how do you build people into brand ambassadors for you or for your company? As an individual job seeker, you may do it through maintaining relationships and going to conferences, speaking to conferences, continuing conversations with suppliers and vendors and and really building those people into ambassadors of you as a professional, of what you do, the quality of work you do. Who knows that? And how do you stay top of mind with them? If you're in business, it's going to be those people who are your customers and sometimes even your prospects. So one of the funnest rough referrals that I've ever had was a gentleman who'd just been a prospect and during the prospect meeting we'd had a conversation about his resume and where he was going in his job search and a few days later I got a call from one of his colleagues who said so and so recommended I call you and I thought well that's strange I didn't even work with him and the person said oh yeah no he said that he didn't need that right now but he recommended that I go with you because you were so so great to talk to and so it interesting how fast we can develop an ambassadors in in the sales process if we're doing it the way that Don Don Overcash from Sandler Sales would, would tell you to do it. So what is your process? Whether you're in job search or in business for yourself, how are you nurturing your existing contacts? How are you nurturing your existing relationships? And making sure that you're putting the focus there instead of always on the next to the next to the next. I hope this talk about sales has been helpful no matter what phase you're in in your business or career. And we look forward to seeing you right here back next week on The Career Confidant. Thank you for listening to The Career Confidant. Marie Zimanoff will return again with another terrific guest next Monday at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Channel. Be sure to join us then.